the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and great to have Craig Young here. How are you, Craig? Oh, well, it's great to be actually in the studio, Paul, after... Several years I've not been able to get together, so yeah, good no, to be it's, here. It's great. Thanks for uh, making the effort to uh, come across and design, uh, join join me in podcast New Zealand studios. And it's not nice to see the studio starting to get you know booked out and used a, a little bit more. Um, we've been doing a lot of remote podcast recording and streaming for uh, yeah different organisations and. Um, and, and our own podcasts, but it's uh, it's very nice to actually get to connect in person. Yeah. Again, so. There's something good about yeah. being in the same space talking. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now, maybe you can just remind listeners where you fit into this big, wide world of uh, tech yeah. in New Zealand. Yeah. So, so I'm the CEO of Two Ends, which is the Technology Users Association. And I suppose it's the easiest way to put it is we're the group helping the users or, or the and the members of our association sort of make sense of what's coming down the track, the digital future, um, through sharing experiences and knowledge with them. Um, and but then we're also the the independent and representative voice for users, particularly uh, with um, government and media when it comes to to technology and connectivity. And and connectivity is our history, so we've still got a big part to play in that space. So that's really who we are. Yeah, the users. We're a user group. Love it, yeah. love it. No, it's it's great, and it's great to see uh, you know the organisation Two Ends, you know, has has really you know it's such a long history, but you know contributes to uh, you know contribute and and play a you know a valuable role in in New Zealand, and I, you know I think uh, you know technology is is so important it to is. our success as a nation, and so yeah, your representation there of the yeah. technology users is, is very important. Thanks, Paul. We actually um, we clicked over 35 years just a couple of weeks ago, which in terms of some associations is not very long, but when you think of technology and digital stuff, it's pretty good. And, um, you know, we've come a long way in those 35 years. I mean, I think we've still got a weird way to go, but... You know, it's um, it's a great space to be in. Yeah. Oh, that's that's exciting. Well, uh, before we jump in, big thank you to to our show partners, uh, Vocus, Vodafone, Spark, HP, and uh, Gorilla Technology for their uh, their support. Now, a bunch of things that we wanted to get into today. Elon Musk oh, and yes. Twitter, big in the mm. news. In fact, I did, I did an interview earlier for, uh, for for TVNZ, so you probably get about one and a half seconds of me on the uh, the six o'clock news tonight. But uh, I guess that you know, there's some questions there. Can, can we trust Elon? Is is probably the That's biggest great title. Uh, the biggest question that uh, that I'd like to like to delve into uh, a little bit. There's also been some sort of dramas when it comes to the world of of streaming technology, mm. which has been so disruptive and you know such a, a big change and there's been the big global players and then the local players but some some fascinating things I think going on there uh, CNN that launched a service yep. and then you know uh, within the same month uh, decided to kill it off uh, Netflix lo- losing uh, users and then you know where where do our local yep. uh, services sky and TVNs on TVNZ on demand three now fit and and a few other topics, so um, we may as well jump jump straight in. Uh, the the first topic is related to New Zealand's scientists doing research around volcanoes, and of course, you know we had the incredibly uh, tragic uh, situation with um, the White Island 
the eruption uh, there and the loss loss of lives, you know, this still seems to be a you know an ongoing global issue that we have not really had the sort of level of of warning that yeah. would uh, you know um, successfully solve these issues to to date. But the reports where we're seeing us are suggesting that New Zealand research here, uh, yeah, and this is being looked at globally, um, you know, might well be the system that, uh, or the the innovation that uh, that allows, you know, one or two days prior warning of volcanic uh, eruptions. And I guess what you know, when you when you step back and you look at the sort of data that can be gathered today in incredibly, you know, granular detail, uh, if there is any way of predicting this stuff, you would think with with some, you know, analysis and some artificial intelligence sort of, you know, machine learning, this could be solved. How, how, yeah. how confident would you feel, uh, <laughs> you know, based on the bits and pieces that you've you've read on this? Does this seem like a pipe oh, dream or, or something no, no. that we can, we can do? I, I have done a bit of reading on this and I, I am thinking that there's something. And here I'm, I have to admit I've um, just drove past Mount Ruapehu on Saturday. It looks like it's a brooding giant really, isn't yeah. it? Sitting yeah. there and it's um, – there's very little snow on it at the moment, so it's looking very Mount Doomish, I suppose you might put it. Yeah. And um, and I don't know if you've read, but um, scientists are saying that the pressure is, does does appear to be building up in in Ruapehu, and that yeah. uh, there could be something there. And so, you know, we're 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 a perfect uh, environment to do these sort of tests. I mean, we've already got the the Google you know, trialling in New Zealand, the earthquake warning system, you know, across cell phones. So, you know, why can't we use the elements of technology we've got to find it? And and I see that scientists are looking at, you know, that, that even up to three weeks beforehand, they'll be able to sort of figure out that something's happening just through the the frequencies of vibrations and things that are occurring inside a mountain. I which can feel those vibes. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> An earthquake's coming, a volcano eruption's coming. Animals are running away and things yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, but actually to be given a couple of days' warning to know that something serious is going to happen is, um, you know, two days, uh, two more days of being able to save lives than you might have otherwise had. So... And New Zealand, you know, we are right on those plates and we've got a number of active volcanoes. So um, I think it's definitely something that I think we can take world, uh, lead the world in. I mean, it comes back to, you know, we're sitting in Auckland, which is a number of not don't, extinct volcanoes. Don't remind me, Craig. That's right. They're slumbering, <laughs> they're slumbering quietly. You might be living in Wellington and think you're going to have an earthquake, but Wellington in Auckland is going to be the, the volcano spot. So. If this episode doesn't finish. That's right. You'll know <laughs> what happens. the AI let us down. That's right. Yeah. 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 Look, it's it's really incredible if you think about over the last you know, hundred, you know, maybe a bit more years, how... Uh, human life expectancy has uh, increased for all sorts of, you know, basically a whole range of, of innovations on the medical front. There's been constant innovation yeah. and, you know, we see that focus in uh, vehicle technologies that are making vehicles safer. Uh, some of the stuff is, you know, it's pretty simple, right? Seatbelts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a good idea, um, you know. Um ABS breaking, but it it just it just keeps going, and this becomes you know another area that it probably 
doesn't necessarily make a, a noticeable difference in terms of overall because not many people are, are dying from um, volcanic okay, eruptions. Yeah. But um, in terms of the individuals that are impacted and the families that are impacted, I mean, we, we don't ever w- want to see a repeat of some of those yeah. past uh, situations and the chance to be able to get out of Dodge uh, before mm. an eruption happens. Uh, we can use technology to do it. Yeah. Uh, boy, that's really cool. Yeah, sure is. Yeah, so no, I, I'm, um, I'm, you know, from from what I've uh, read on it, and you know the 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 number of uh, you know volcanoes we've got in New Zealand, but of course this data can be gathered globally, right? So you know, a, again, doesn't probably matter too much where yeah. in the world you are having the the smart thinking and innovative approach that that seems to be coming. Out of uh, out of New Zealand at, at the moment through these uh, researchers at uh, University of Canterbury, yeah, yeah, that brings a um, a bit of warning and saves some some lives. Uh, brilliant, yeah, absolutely, and another place that we could carve out a niche for New Zealand technology. And look, you know, when when you apply technology to one field, uh, sometimes there are good surprises in terms of uh, other ways in in, in which that. Uh, technology might yeah. get leveraged as well too. Yeah. Now, um, I, I saw some news last week around electric sea gliders. I saw this as well, and I thought uh, it was something out of Russian science fiction. Actually, just yeah, just um, just just a shock. It seemed to come out of the blue. Now, if you follow this stuff closely, you might have you, know, you might have been aware of it for um, uh, for a while. Um, US startup. Uh, Regent has been, you know, working uh, on these sea gliders, and what we've got is a New Zealand outfit called uh, Ocean Flyer, and they've already dropped in a million dollar deposit on a seven hundred million dollar order uh, for twenty five of these uh, the these Ocean Flyers, and the idea is to have a fleet of twenty five. Um, ocean flyers operating by uh, 2028 and um, kicking off in just about uh, three years' time, and the uh, you know the co- the concept is a, a vessel that can carry. I think we're talking around a hundred people uh, that can get from one ocean port uh, to another. So you could you know presumably. Um, that that you know covers a fair bit of uh, journeys within uh, within New Zealand, uh, you know, very efficient, and uh, I think we're you know we're talking a hundred percent electric. T- ticks a whole lot of uh, boxes if the technology is safe and and stable. Um, if it's not, and you hit the ocean going <laughs> five hundred k's an hour in a nosedive or something, um, yeah, that wouldn't wouldn't be ideal. Um, but I think that you know the, the revolutions are in it being electric, so mm-hmm. you're really yep. you know just changing the carbon footprint yep. uh, right there. Um, and the uh, you know the pace, you know, they're talking uh, um, Wellington to Littleton in an hour, sixty dollars a seat. Yeah. Um, so you know, uh, and that's pretty cool. Or pretty cool alternative yeah. to uh, traditional airplanes, right? Although I'm not sure I'd want to be doing that in a howling southerly 
coming up the coast. Um, Come on, live dangerously, yeah, Craig. Right. <laughs> uh, it, it does talk about, you know, when you look at it, it it's um, it's using very smart technology to keep the uh, glider at a certain height above the waves. And I'm just thinking, does that mean it's skimming across the waves or is it dipping up and down or how's it going? I presume, you know, the technology will be such that I read that, uh, for example, it won't be able to go across the Cook Strait when it's rough. So, but it's going to be about the same as the ferries. So, if a ferry can't go, the sea glider can't go. So, it's sort of basically around that line. I do understand the Wellington to Littleton one, but the Wellington to Auckland one might take a little bit longer because there's a, there's a bit in the way to get up there. What gets me about this is that this technology has been around for quite a while. The idea of skimming across the waves, the aerodynamic efficiency you get by getting lift off the sea mm. is um, what they're banking on. What is being applied now is the AI and the smart technology to actually fly the aircraft to make the most of it. So, you know, I could see that sort of technology as it comes in, AI and and, and those sort of machine learning being applied back into technology that's been around for a while that we really haven't been able to leverage. So here's another example of where the basic of the ideas have been around, but now we've got the the grunt to be able to make it work. So fascinating to see if it works. Um, I mean, I'd be, I'm, I'm pretty um, keen on aeroplanes, so, but I'd like to try it out on a calm day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, get this potentially, uh, you know, crosses crosses in uh, to, well, you know, there's probably some some crossovers in terms of our learnings uh, with WISC who have been testing mm. the autonomous air taxi type mm. uh, technology in the, in the South Island. One of the things that we've seen there, and you know, now now Boeing, uh, you know, has put a huge in investment into that. They do seem to be scaling WISC now, uh, you know, globally. The footprint in New Zealand, doing the you know the 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 R and D and testing that's yep. happening in New Zealand, is now a, a you know a fairly small ish uh, you know percentage because they really seem to be getting you know quite serious about going to uh, going to market. Um, but it has taken them, you know, many years to get to this point. So I, I'm, I'm I guess I'm learning to be a little bit cautious around some of the predictions of how quickly uh, these these things will uh, will happen and you know get ticked off from a perspective of being safe and so on. Um, but I, I guess I would be hopeful that New Zealand could be one of the locations where the R and D can happen, where this technology can be tested. And it would seem like we're, we're probably a reasonably good place uh, looking at WISC and, and, and others in the aerospace field uh, that have found New Zealand as an ideal place to, to operate the right sort of balance of, of safety and, and government regulation uh, and, you know, government that seems to uh, in, encourage uh, this, this type of research and development. So uh, let's hope we can be more than just a, a customer for this. Tech. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, we're, our, our, our country lends itself to this quite nicely because we're long and narrow with lots of sea around it. So, you know, it's, this um, this technology would be much more applicable to someone like us than it might be to, well, to a, a France or a, or a Germany or, or even a USA, given how, how large they are as a land base. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
now I want to talk about uh, streaming, and this is a, as a topic that we've spoken about on the New Zealand Tech Podcast since the the very very early days. And if I you know if I look back to sort of two thousand eleven or, or so when when we started, uh, Netflix was very much in its infancy, but there was that real interest in what's going to happen, how's this type of, of, of technology going to change, how we're entertained, how we're informed, and, and we have. We've seen a, a huge amount of change. Um, at that point, the only way to get Netflix was with a VPN or yeah. you know uh, some sort of proxy service. And and you know now it's uh, it's it's well and truly uh, embedded as as one of the main uh, sources of entertainment here in New Zealand, uh, and we've we've seen all sorts of others play, players uh, coming along. Spark, of, of you know they they had their bo- yep. Lightbox product, which was something of a Netflix competitor. Uh, you know that was that was sold. Uh, to Sky and has been uh, uh, merged in with their with their Neon service, which you know that combined service seems to be pretty good. We've got Spark Sport. We've now got Sky being a, probably a lot more competitive in terms of their overall streaming um, options. But it yeah seemed to be uh, seemed to be pretty big news last week that uh, uh, late last week that uh, Netflix had actually lost two hundred thousand yeah. uh, subscribers. And this really caused their their share price to uh, to to take an immediate and and direct drop. Now, I don't know exactly how you uh, weigh these things up, but what I have noticed recently, and we saw a similar thing with Facebook, when suddenly yes. Facebook you know wasn't growing. Yep. Actually, if you've been following the numbers for a while. You would have been aware that they, you know, that they were they were coming to, you know, probably coming to this point. And even if they weren't, is because they were turning a, a few knobs just to just to edge slightly above it. And uh, you know what I think what we see with the technology world is there's so much data that there is that option to be able to yeah. adjust and and tune. And look, we know Netflix put their put their prices up. So is this a big? Do you think this is a a big? Surprise! I mean, it's oh. a huge hit in terms of the financial hit for shareholders, yeah, sure. isn't it? Look, I I do think it is a bit of a surprise. You know, you can you can look at it and think, well, surely the numbers are going to stop somewhere along the way. It's the first quarter in ten years where they've gone backwards. You know, every quarter since they started ten years ago, they've gone. Their, their numbers have grown, and you know, when you look around the the stats, and I'm not sure about New Zealand, but certainly globally, they're at least half of the streaming market in the world. So. They're a big, big player. What did they spend last year on content? Thirteen billion dollars um, to try and drive people to 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 um, use their service. I think the um, the the reason why the the stock went down was that Netflix had actually been estimating they would gain customers in the first quarter of the year. So they thought they might put on about twenty. 25% or something. They had some bizarre, really high number they thought. Yeah. It can't have been 25%, but, you know, a number of customers are going to – and they went backwards. And, look, they're, they're blaming a number of things. They're, they're blaming the – well, not blaming, but they're, they're saying that the, um, you know, the war in the Ukraine is leading to effects on their numbers. I think also they're facing significant challenges from other streaming platforms. That's probably the biggest thing, isn't oh, it? I think is, so. Is that there is very strong competition. Yeah, what do you think about uh, Prime Video? You know, that's at least 10% of the market, I would suggest. Disney Plus, you know, they've taken all the Marvel Universe 
um, movies out of Netflix and put them on their platform. So you've got that huge draw card. I mean, that's where Star Wars is. And I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so not giving up Disney Plus anytime quickly. There you go. Um, Apple TV, small, but, you know, spending quite a lot of money on their content. And Apple can afford to, you know, pl- take a long play on that particular service. So um, the, the, the other thing that I was thinking about is that Netflix are suggesting is the um, password sharing. So I'm, an, I'm a parent of adult kids. I'm not saying that this is happening in our place, but what's hap- what they're suggesting is that, you know, when your kids are uh, teenagers, they get access to your uh, service because they're in your household. And then when they move out, maybe they go to university, maybe they go flatting, something. They don't, you forget to t- change the past. You forget. It's to a pretty normal, the pretty normal scenario, isn't yeah. it? So yeah. you're, and, 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 and yeah. there are variations on, on that, right? So at one end of the extreme, we've got, you know, straight, um, you know, illegal downloads. The other end of this thing, you've got, you know, everybody paying for everything. And then you've got some, uh, you know, some in between levels, which, to be fair, Netflix have probably encouraged to, you know, to a big degree, yep. allowing different profiles, not taking any note where people are logging in from. People can log in from multiple countries and access the service and access quite different content, different parts of the world, even. No, you know, it's never never been a yeah. never been a problem. Well, it's going to come back. I think what they're going to do, and this is where your data and technology stuff comes back. They are trialing in different parts of the world, and it they, they it looks like they're going to start doing it globally to try it, where you will be able to have sub profiles on your account. So you might pay a couple of extra dollars for somebody to have access to your Netflix account, but not be in the house. So rather than losing that revenue altogether, finding another way around. And and there was some uh, particular write-up that I was looking at too, suggesting that Netflix will start looking at the IP addresses of where people are logging in from. And so we'll start to say, hang on, that IP address doesn't belong to that address, so you know maybe we're going to cut it off. Well, you know that that's going down quite a slippery slope. Uh, it is going back to, I remember those early days with, services in New Zealand which would mask your you know you'd pay up front and well and it was a it was a VPN and it would mask your location um, and that ran foul of quite a few things but you know that it I can see it global mode people Actually, yes, global to, need, mode that's to, it we we uh, we we do need to get an episode done on that um, and with the founder of, of Global Mode because it, it was very, very interesting. It was. And, um, yeah, they ended up coming under a fair bit of pressure and so did the the internet providers that, that used their services and uh, ultimately it, it disappeared. But that type of technology still operates to, to this day, yeah. doesn't it? Well, there's yeah. still adverts yeah. for VPNs yeah. and, you know, yeah. I've yeah. listened to a podcast yesterday out of the States talking about um, VPNs. Uh, given you know around security and looking after your personal uh, data online, but they still made the mention of and you can watch the BBC in the UK at the same time, <laughs> which is not really what the BBC want you to do. For example, <laughs> and it is w- worth mentioning that some of these sorts of services probably do exactly the opposite of what you might expect. Mm. So if you're thinking, oh, this is going to help me security-wise, well. Who, who's running this VPN yeah. and are they actually, you know, keeping a record of what's flowing across their network? And 
in some cases. So it's not it's not necessarily all good, and uh, especially if you're uh, buying a, a security or or a service that you think will help That's you right. from a security or, or data privacy yeah. perspective, and you're buying based on price. And look, a lot of what's available around the world is becoming available in New Zealand. And look, the classic example for me at the moment, and I'll make this about me, is um, because I'm a sci-fi freak fan, Star Trek Discovery was on Netflix. They took it off in the States, CBS, and put it on to Paramount+. Plus. Never launched in New Zealand. TVNZ have picked up the rights. So you can go to TVNZ On Demand. It's free. The entire Series 3, which is the one that um, wasn't available on Netflix, is now available to watch, to binge watch on TVNZ On Demand. So, you know, there are these New Zealand services that are, um, you know, make, taking access or making access to some of this content as well. I think the big question around numbers, for example, is also I think we're going to see this the future being where people dip in and out of services yeah, because of I the think number that's already expanding. happening, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and if I think about how many services we have in our house, you know, I keep saying to myself, I need to sit down and figure out how many I'm actually subscribing to because I'm probably very much like other people where they've gone, I want to watch that program, so I sign up for that service and then I don't, I don't um, cancel it and we start watching other things. So I think it's time to review. Yeah, I've I've found subscribing to some of these services through my case a subscription uh, through Apple uh, subscriptions, and you know putting aside the the cut that Apple might take because it well it doesn't feel like it's directly impacting me, but they must work that out behind the scenes, and it's it's not you know necessarily a a great equation, yeah. but. The simplicity of being able to go and see what I'm subscribed to just from my mobile device and that one place that has a whole pile of things, I find is is actually really good. I think yeah. there's a plus side in that, and you can go through. Oh, I'm you know I was looking uh, over the last few days. It's like oh yeah, that's right. I signed up for um, whatever. Oh, there, there was something on Apple TV I yeah. wanted to watch. Actually, um, quite a good watch. It's not quite tech, but it, it's quite closely related uh, in terms of startups, is the We, we Crashed. Oh, right. Um, absolutely fascinating, uh, fascinating watch. It's available in a, in a podcast that had come out uh, prior, and it's all about the WeWork uh, oh, story yeah. and the founders. And, uh, you know, definitely there's a lot of cross into the into the 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 tech type world because it you know it was a very sort of disruptive uh, type of type of play as a as a business yeah. but yeah fascinating watch I hadn't been subscribed to Apple TV for the last little while and when I jumped in I thought oh yeah I'll, I'll watch that I realized you could actually sign up for a seven day trial um, <laughs> and uh, actually that's enough to see yeah. to, to see the series. Uh, there was something I was looking for for my son that was on Disney Plus, which I think my subscription cancelled at the end of end of March because we weren't watching anything actively on there. Um, that one I'll have to you know I'll, I'll subscribe again to that probably over the next few days. So I'm starting to get into yeah. that turning them on and off again, but it does vary according to the service as to how easy that actually <laughs> that actually is. It's almost like it's almost like you just want to go back to having. One service that gives you everything. Oh, hang on, wait on. <laughs> that was 
Sky TV or, <laughs> or TVNZ. Yeah, so it's a it's an interesting one, isn't it? Just yeah, entertainment. And, and you know, I think the uh, the investors must have been look, looking this with Netflix because yes, we did have a, a you know a, a huge drop in in the share price from what was it th- nearly three hundred and fifty US dollars down to yeah a little over two hundred US dollars, which is a, ma- a massive huge. drop uh, to happen, you know, within a very short space of time. But it's worth if you actually just roll back six months, that three hundred, you know, near three hundred and fifty dollar share price is half what it actually was last November. Oh, really? Right. So, so it was it yes, was actually up at seven hundred dollars. Yep. So it had already gone in half, and then it's it's dropped again. Yep. So um, you know, there there there's. There's some very interesting things I think going on uh, from a, a, an investment perspective, and in, in, in some of these um, startups. Now, mm. yeah, there's probably a whole lot more we could oh, we yeah. could go into there around Netflix and these changes. Um, I think right now, uh, you know, something we've discussed in the past. Let's support the local services we have, so they sort of you know are viable for as long as possible. Prefer our our money to be going into supporting you know Kiwis and you know taxes into into New Zealand and so on. But we are starting to see some some trends where even those you know New Zealand broadcasters that have been you know they've been showing things on on TV, they've been buying the rights for TV, and often the the A level of streaming rights mm. comes with it. Uh, I was talking to to someone with one of the big broadcasters over the last few days about this, and the comment was, "Oh, we had X Y Z program, uh, but the rug's been pulled out from under us because one of the bigger global players has signed that, yeah. and they have control of it now. We're not even going to be able to broadcast it on air uh, in in New Zealand. So I'm not sure how that's you know that's that's going to play out, but." Certainly, the landscape has you know has really changed. I think will continue to change, and very very hard to uh, you know to probably win against some yeah. of these uh, uh, global firms. But uh, what's happening with Netflix right now is a is you know is a signal that the biggest players um, may not always be able to yeah. kind of predict it and get it right, even though they've got you know huge amounts of data. The other one was CNN, which, you know, of course, has been available yeah. through Sky uh, for a long time. They launched their on-demand service, uh, certainly in the U.S., in, in April, CNN Plus, uh, follow that sort of similar sort of naming. Yep. But then with the you know, change, change of ownership, and they're now under the same ownership as uh, Discovery that we have here in New Zealand, so Discovery, CNN, and... Warner Brothers, yeah. um, that that's that they're all under yeah, they uh, you know one entity now. So with that change, the uh, the streaming option for uh, for CNN is uh, is gone, and they they just you know got a, a relatively sort of small number of subscribers, and uh, uh, and it's gone. And oh, the, the other piece with Netflix is they're talking about having a, a kind of a, a free ad supported right. variant, and now. You know, I've been wondering when our TVNZ on demand, etc., will go the other way and give you a paid version, so you don't have to watch the watch the ads. W- watch the ads. Uh, and you can see how well the uh, ad supported has worked for Spotify. So I I wonder how yeah. that plays out for Netflix. Well, the CNN one was in, was interesting because it was announced it was launching 
then the the discovery moved to um to to buy CNN and there were rumors around the discovery weren't weren't keen to have that service go so the the writing was on the wall but it was quite remarkable that as soon as they took control it was like well that's it they're shutting down and 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 I'd heard around the place that um you know one of the things that led to its demise was it only had about 10,000 active users in any one particular time, which in, in the US for a streaming service is way too small. It was never going to get traction. So just fascinating that it, that an on-demand news service has just been canned. So, And as you say, that's Discovery. So they're the owners of three and uh, News Hub in New Zealand. So you know, will we, maybe we'll see more of that come through to here. Again, coming back to what you said before, supporting New Zealand, supporting New Zealand um, services and New Zealand content as well. And we're seeing that in Australia in particular. We're seeing big moves by the Australian government to try and get money off the big players uh, to pay for services they're picking up in the country, recirculating, using it. Um, and certainly some of the consumer advocacy groups over there are also advocating for uh, similar advocacy around the use of service over demand and asking questions like, well, how are they making, how are they encouraging uh, Australians to watch Australian content, even if it's on the big players, you know? So they're a lot more uh, proactive and uh, hands-on in Australia when it comes to regulation of these types of services and often have been. You know, we tend to be a little bit more hands-off uh, until we think there's a real issue and then we dive in. And we really hit it hard. So, you know, that might come here, but we can watch the Australians and see what they get up to. Yeah, yeah, it's quite convenient having having a, a connected uh, country and economy yep. that's that has so many similarities to ours. Uh, and, you know, they've got the, the scale, I guess you could say, to invest and to figure some of those things out where we don't necessarily always need to lead the way. I think there are times when... It absolutely makes sense for us to do so, but I think it's been fascinating to to watch things that they've been doing with the likes of Google and Facebook and you know various yeah. sort of regulatory uh, you know pressures that are you know it's in some cases quite unique globally. Yes, and if those things work well, then you know we potentially yeah. jump on a similar bandwagon or we or we take a slightly different approach. Let's let's let them take the lead, take the heat, work it out, yeah. and then we'll pick up behind them and. You know, that's not a bad way to be, to be a fast learner behind, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's sort of been the case through COVID, hasn't it? Where, it where uh, yeah, New, New Zealand's been able to watch what's happened elsewhere in, in the world and then make more informed decisions yes. with a little bit more uh, data because of that uh, that benefit of, of distance. Now, this, this big story and, you know, can we yeah. trust Elon, Elon being the... Really, the the big big question with, and and this story obviously moved around over the last few weeks, and there was this sort of poison pill from from the board, and no, Elon's not going to be able to, you know, it's not going to be practical for him to acquire. Then suddenly, yep, he's clinched the deal. He's buying Twitter, uh, sixty six billion New Zealand dollars. Yep. Uh, I was curious, you know, what sort of percentage is is uh, is uh, six, 66 uh, billion of um, of Elon's uh, Elon's net uh, net net worth. Well, he's not buying it just with his own money. That is true. He that is he true. did announce he did make a regulatory filing last week, 
without announcing it on Twitter, which has been his downfall before if he's not careful, uh, that he's been able to find funding. So he's doing it. You know, he has he has the money under his own name. It's not all his own cash. But, uh, yeah, so but $66 billion, I wouldn't think it was that much. I mean, he's doing incredibly well. Um, last week, Tesla filed their latest quarterly figures. They've paid off all their debt. They've paid down their debt. They made a profit. They're keeping up with demand. They actually produced more cars last quarter than they ever have before, even with all the supply chain issues that are occurring around the world because of the vertical integration they've got. So, you know, they're doing pretty well. And so he's doing pretty well off that. He's signing contracts with SpaceX. So, you know, so now here's his next thing he wants to get involved in. So this one, I think, has a lot more, uh, not downside for him, but downside for everybody else, actually. Yeah, and I, there was a, a commentary or an announcement that, and, you know, announcement when it comes to anything to do with Elon usually means a, you know, a tweet or, or yep. he said something somewhere because yeah. they're generally no longer a PR department and they don't they don't spend on on advertising and so on. Uh, about the boring company that does the tunnels and yep. a, uh, a Hyperloop oh, prototype uh, coming. So th- th- there is there's a lot going on there. But I was curious, the $66 billion, how does it relate? Is he worth twice that? Three times that, four times that. Anyway, did the calculation from US to, to what he's worth today, uh, and I found a v- rather funny number for those who uh, who, oh, who no. follow Elon: uh, four hundred and twenty uh, billion. Yeah. So uh, four four twenty uh, seems to be the uh, the the number that um, Elon likes to uh, likes to in- include in things, uh, which I, I I thought was rather uh, rather amusing, but. Drilling, yeah, drilling down a little bit. I think there is a, a huge concern around: you know, can Elon be trusted? As you say, there's there's going to be more than Elon involved, so it's not necessarily you know just that chunk of money, but it has all been able to pull together and happen very quickly. Uh, he has talked about sort of you know increasing the value of Twitter. How do you do that? Well, I mean, there are a whole raft of issues with Twitter. Today, as I as I see them, uh, there are you know, concerns around bots, around users who aren't who they say yep. they are, there to to troll and so on. Mm. On one side, you know, Elon's raised you know concerns around uh, around free speech, but you know how do you balance mm. this stuff? Uh, you know, is it up to a private firm to draw those guidelines, or is that got to be managed sort of? At a legislative level around the world, one one thing just sort of made me laugh this morning was he'd he'd put out a particular you know tweet uh, comment, and the first reply to it, as I saw it on my screen anyway, was a a bot, yeah, and the bot was a. Uh, had a blue tick, so it was considered a yeah. Twitter officially verified yeah. account uh, linked to Elliot James eighty seven. Now, how this account got verified, who knows? But the name on it in weird characters was Elon Musk, and the profile picture was Elon Musk and was oh, identical right. to his his profile picture. Now, there are 
potentially some things here. When I look at that scenario, it's trying to scam people, trying to send them off to a, a probably a scam crypto site, uh, but likely seen by you know, this this tweet at, at the stage I looked at it already had 80, 85,000 uh, likes and Elon has a rather large following. So not a good situation, but this has been going on for a very long time. Now, it doesn't just happen on Twitter. You know, we see these sorts of things on YouTube with, with streams and comments and scams and, and, and so on as well. But if, if he can come in and maybe address some of these issues and get the other bits right, uh, then we might well see the platform improve. We might. But on the flip side, yeah. if he stuffs it up, then you could see the whole thing tank and everyone uh, you know, or a large chunk of people um, you know, flee from, from Twitter. Well, the thing about Twitter is it's not the biggest social platform. We know that. But yeah. it, it has influence that's way bigger than its size because of its use by media and politicians, right? So you've got that. And his he's been pretty clear. I haven't read anywhere that he feels like he's coming in to make it work better. He does talk about it being not living up to expectations, but he very much couches that around freedom of speech. He's a total libertarian when it comes to freedom of speech. You know, so the the thought is that he's coming in to uh, unleash the beast, as it were, <laughs> and we might see Twitter, you know, we there was even comment that he might let Donald Trump back on, for example. Now, Donald's come out and said, no, I'm... I'm not going back to those guys, but you just, you just don't know with Elon, you know. And and this is another example of where one person is become you know ends up being control of a platform. And you know I've heard um, over the weekend discussion about this around the use of the word oligarch because you know you get back to people like Rupert Murdoch, you know, controlling the media empire that he does. You've got Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook, so you've got these individuals high net worth individuals who um, taking control of these platforms and um, the risk with Twitter is that uh, you know it does it does he does unpick all the work that Twitter have been doing around hate speech online the trolls etc so um, I'm probably sitting in the other side from you on this one I think he's actually he, this could be quite a dangerous move for uh, speech online and he might find that it triggers regulation in the states. Quite yeah, look, strong. I don't. I don't think regulation is necessarily is necessarily a bad thing. I think of our social networks should be there to do a public good, to yeah. to serve the general population, uh, something that that helps and facilitates democracy. Now, for that to work, there is a level of you know accepting. Things from yeah. from varying sides of the the political spectrum, whether you you know you do yeah. or don't agree with them, um, there does need to be you know a level of balance. And and look, I you know I don't know yeah. the the best approaches for for these things, but I would say that I think that we have to, or we don't have to, but but my my choice is to give Elon the benefit of the doubt at this point and to see how it plays out. Now, if he stuffs it up, he's just cost himself yeah, and whoever his partners true. are 
a hot, you know, billions and billions of dollars. Uh, if he does something that is, you know, well thought out and well balanced, is good from a, a democratic p- perspective, uh, and actually sort of, you know, lifts some of the, you know, the negative aspects that we see on on Twitter today in terms of trolling through, you know, these anonymous accounts and and you know that people actually need to go through some sort of verification to prove that they're a real person. Uh, and having an ability to basically filter and stop replies from anonymous accounts, you know, there, there's probably a range of things there that 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 could be done yep. that may well lift the platform. Now, as you say, his political leaning is very different from you know the, the founders of Twitter, and probably uh, from majority yep. of the staff at Twitter. So there is the potential of a mass walkout of losing yes, a is. lot of the uh the lot of the the expertise a lot of what has made uh Twitter you know the the good parts of what Twitter has today so you know it's yep. it's really anybody's guess as it to is. how it's going to play out but and, I, I and prefer to you know rather than prejudge and say look he's he's going to completely screw it up um you know look at the past the past you know things he he's he's been involved in and he usually ends up with a, a you know a reasonable level of innovation and um you know and and business positive business sort of outcomes. Should we get back together a year in a year's time and <laughs> yeah, talk about it? There has, I mean, because the other thing he could do is turn it into a subscription model and changes the whole dynamic once again. Sure, sure, and and I, you know I I think I've. I've Possibly still, I can't remember whether I cancelled my Twitter. Oh, and she yes, may have Twitter done because I didn't. I I tweeted. Uh, I I did a tweet. I don't tweet very often, to be fair, these days. But I, you know, I do read Twitter, and uh, I don't remember seeing the, um, the the pop up that comes when you're on Twitter Blue, which is the the kind of fake undo yeah. feature. It basically just holds your tweet back for you know thirty seconds unless you push no no tweet tweet it now uh, it gives you a second chance to review what you've uh, what you've typed but uh, usually many of us still make still make mistakes in our tweets anyway <laughs> so um, yeah definitely yeah. Uh, that could could well be something yeah. to uh, to to revisit uh, again what else can we do we can sort of predict yeah. what what he may or may not do but you know he is a fairly unpredictable character. Yep, and um, he is a man yeah, of his own, uh, <laughs> uh, and and he, um, you're absolutely right. He has been incredibly successful in what he's done. So he could could really, you know, I'll I'll give you the benefit of the doubt and say he could really make a difference. Yeah, um, and, I mean, he he certainly can be a fairly divisive <laughs> character. One of one of his tweets over the weekend was um, making fun of. Uh, uh, Bill Gates and there was a whole uh, uh, text message ch- uh, chain that just happened to leak out and get tweeted by someone else, which which he confirmed was uh, <laughs> legitimate. So uh, he, he certainly has his uh, oh, yeah. uh, his rivals or his enemies or whatever you want to uh, uh, call them. And uh, yeah, that stuff doesn't always play out very nicely. No. So yeah, we've certainly seen pl- examples of the. Um, uh, the the I don't know the comedic side of uh, of Elon Musk and probably some you know some other sort of negative sides. I think you know other people probably say that he's a just a downright dirty liar on uh, on on some things and so on. Um, but let's 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 see how it plays out. <laughs>
Uh, now we did have a couple of other topics that we we wanted to uh, we wanted to cover off. We've had this uh, AX1 launch, which has uh, has returned to Earth, and this was the the first uh, what would you call it a uh, a space mission to the International Space Station uh, from US soil. And uh, yeah, taking uh, taking um, a bunch of people up to to the ISS for uh, I don't know a, a scientific holiday. What 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 would yeah, you call it? They've been very of, uh, clear they don't want to call it space tourism because these people uh, weren't tourists. They say, and it was a seventeen day visit. I think it was. Yeah. So yeah. they they did do a decent amount, but but I'm not sure that the experiments experiments. They might have done on board were much more than look out the window and have a look and see what they could see. Um, and it might, that might be a bit unkind, but that, that was one of the, the comments I saw around. But, you know, again, um, a great example of uh, innovation and technology, private sector getting involved, um, and, um, and it was SpaceX. So Elon Musk again back in back in the news and back pocketing some yeah. uh, some money. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot we could delve into yeah. about the, the the rights and and wrongs of um, of not space tourism, uh, but uh, uh, we'll we might leave that one for uh, for another day. Now you you pointed me at a story online, Digital Trends, talking about. Um, Mobile phones and their role within the war in in Ukraine, and there has been so many interesting aspects of technology yeah. when it when it comes to this war. I find it fascinating. Some of it is certainly, yeah, some of the the, the tastes of things we get sort of a little bit sort of dystopian. You know, like well, where where could all of this end up? Yeah. Um, but we a really interesting aspect that was, you know, was in this coverage is how the Russians have have really made a mess of their own uh, communications yeah. to, uh, you know, to the level that I, I guess money that's supposed to go into them having a you know their their own great communications uh, radios and and uh, and so on hasn't hasn't really really worked. And so you've got uh, Russian soldiers using uh, uh, what I'm, I'm picking as the Ukrainian uh, mobile network, and therefore text messages and and calls in uh, in some cases are able to be uh, are able to be monitored. Obviously, if those calls are happening over other secure platforms that operate on the mobile network, then not so much. But if it's unencrypted communications, then uh, then, then that opens up a fair lot, a, a fair bit to uh, the uh, Ukrainian intelligence, doesn't yeah. it? Well, the the thing that really fascinated me about this uh, story was just around how a, a common everyday piece of consumer equipment is being used in so many different ways, and the the one you're talking about in particular, and uh, and I've read some Western security analysts say they just can't believe how. Um, the Russian forces in particular are not using encrypted sources or encrypted services for uh, communication around troop movement. And, you know, so you're right. You've got soldiers using unencrypted services asking where they should be or who's <laughs> here or yeah. where's General 
such and such, and the Ukrainians going, oh, so that's where he is, right? Oh, well, that's where the next missile goes. So, you know, you've got that. Um, but there's all sorts of ways they're using this. So, um, no Enigma machine needed there, no is there? No Enigma machine <laughs> needed. But other little things like um, when a Russian soldier is captured, Ukrainian um, soldiers immediately giving them a Ukrainian cell phone say, ring your mum and tell her you're okay. Mm-hmm. So basically a little bit of propaganda going back to the homeland saying, I'm okay, but I've been captured. Don't believe the fact that it's going easily sort of thing, you know. So you've got that. Um, cameras on these cell phones, you know, this is going to be the most well-recorded conflict in history really because it's the first instance where it's in a highly developed Western nation with full mobile coverage. And and I suppose the thing that really ticks you over is it's that uh, measure where there's more devices in the country than people. That gives you an indication of how well engrossed the devices are, are there. So, you know, they're being used in so many different ways um, in every way, shape or form. And we carry it ourselves. So it's a great little story. Yeah, and aspects like that, you know, that a mobile network kind of knows where people are they based do. on the on the devices, and of course, you know that's that's intelligence that that can be. You well, know, presuming you've you've locked it down well enough, that gives a, a reasonable amount of information back to the mobile networks and the and the Ukrainian government and um and and not not the Russians again. So it depends how well they've locked uh, they've locked that down. But all yeah, all manner of uh, of intelligence. Well, I'm just saying this is Russian soldiers individual their own phones yeah i hope they've turned google location off because you know those are sort of things that you can find uh yeah so so it just just fascinating a, a piece of consumer technology being used in so many different ways mm-hmm. and of course the mobile networks can can you know basically tell where people are certainly down down to a, can. You know, a level of, of yep. cell site and so yep. on absolutely so there will probably be a, a lot more that we'll hear about this um, you know, after after things come to a, a conclusion, or maybe, well, we don't know when that's going to be, or certainly you know into the future, and we keep capturing more and more and learning more and more uh, insights, the the roles of drones and mm-hmm. and uh, and other technology. So certainly like like to see things uh, wrap up, but um, you know that's just the the nature yeah. of the of these things. We we don't really know exactly how it's going to play out, but. Uh, I think technology has certainly, uh, you know, played its part in helping uh, protect Ukraine, sure and has certainly stretched out the the war there. So we will see how that um, how that progresses. But uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, technology has a you know has a positive uh, ongoing impact there. Good, good. Um, well, I think we're probably uh, pretty much out of out of time, uh, Craig. Was there anything else you thought we should uh, squeeze in before we before we finish up? I don't think so. No, I think we've covered the the really meaty issues <laughs> yeah. as of today. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Craig. Uh, great to catch up. Now, where can people find out about uh, the events and the things that yep. are going on uh, with Two Ants? Yep. Easiest thing to do is go to our website twoands.org.nz. Uh, everything links off there. Uh, I'm on Facebook as Two Ants CEO. Uh, LinkedIn under my own personal profile, Craig Young, but also uh, Two Ends, and uh, our Future Leaders program as well, Flint.nz. So that's uh, for anyone who's got a real passion for 
technology, no matter where it is, whether it's in uh, HR tech, if you don't have to be a coder or anything like that. You might just want to see it being applied in any part of the way you work or live. Brilliant. Um, and we're helping those people, you know, develop their skills and help because we want New Zealand to be world leading across the board, right? Absolutely. So you've got to help develop and generate your next generation of leaders as they come through. And, um, and I think, as you know, with the move to Orange, um, we're feeling quietly confident that we're going to be able to get back to actually having things in person because technology is brilliant. Zoom and Teams have been amazing, but I think we're all getting a little bit tired and, and we want to get back to and actually start talking to people and interacting you know, at that um, social uh, level to build those relationships. Yep. Certainly, those uh, those of us that are that are a little bit older are more more used to in person. Yeah, uh, like to it's, it seems to ve- I mean it varies right for across individuals. It's not just age groups no, and so right. on, but it, but it has been uh, uh, interesting. Yeah, for those of us that have done uh, surveys across our organisations and and seeing the the different preferences, but I think there is a uh, you know it's it's generally. Uh, pretty pretty positive uh, this opportunity to start uh, getting okay. back to uh, to face to face as long as we can stay reason reasonably safe but those numbers are kind of continuing to trend yeah. trend down which is encouraging all right well thanks everyone for joining us uh, here on the New Zealand Tech podcast uh, we'll catch you again next week uh, and again a big uh, a big thank you to our show partners uh, Vocus Vodafone Spark HP and Guerrilla Technology, and uh, thanks again, Craig. My pleasure. Thanks, Paul. Cheers. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.